you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everybody. It's Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we are first on the depth chart. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio. We are in studio. We're doing two weeks now. We got specialists there. Give yourselves a hand. Hytham, Susie, Josh, everybody here. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not quite two a days for us. It's two a weeks. Do we have the stamina for this? Yeah. I was gonna say, uh, football players right now are doing two a days. For us, we we keep it a little bit more light. I, I think I can go two times a week, two times a day. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I doing two pods a day like regularly is gonna be a deal, but uh, twice a week for now. Uh, I think it works. But this does mean for all of you out there listening that we are starting to ramp up our coverage right now. We're going to do two pods a week uh, for now through the end of the season and coming very soon. In fact, coming uh, next Monday, August 14th, uh, NFL Fantasy Live is back on your television. We are doing a series of six preseason shows. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the following week. 
Uh, and after that, we are off and running, I think, for the regular yeah. season. Five five days after that, I'm all we're gonna be in studio again. I know. I'm I'm excited. It it makes me warm and feel all warm and fuzzy inside. It's kind of nice. It's nice mostly because it means we have actual football-like substance yes. to talk about. Uh, we're gonna be back in studio. The whole gang's gonna be back together. That part will be fun. Uh, I guess the downside it means that summer vacation is officially over for us. Yeah, I went to uh, out into the desert for a couple of days because I was like, I want to do nothing <laughs> mm-hmm. before football season started. And that's what I did. I did. I spent three days just like lounging in the pool. You didn't go like on an Aaron Rodgers ayahuasca trip or anything like that. No, maybe I should have though. Maybe, maybe just like get some clarity about some sleepers <laughs> or something for the year. Uh, open your mind or anything like that. Uh, what we are going to do for the next few weeks as we get close to the start of the regular season is we are going to do some division breakdowns. By the way, this seems like a good point to mention. And uh, over the next uh, few shows, we're going to have some interesting guests stop by as well. Uh, use that as kind of a tease. So uh, just some interesting names uh, that you probably know. One that you certainly do know. One that you probably know if you follow football Twitter as well. One that so you, something to be, yeah. you may have had on a fantasy team before. Yeah, one of the guys you may have very well may have drafted on your fantasy squad. He may have helped you to a championship. So uh, keep an ear out for that. So today we will start, though, with the AFC East going through each of the four teams there. Uh, kind of giving our thoughts on just some of the key questions looking at these teams heading into the season. But let's start with some news headlines, uh, and it's running back news, because why wouldn't it be? Uh, we'll start in New Orleans, where things are sort of jumbled right now. Alvin Kamara, we know, has been suspended for three games uh, for his part in a fight in Las Vegas that took place uh, a while back. We were anticipating a suspension coming down. We know that it's going to be three games. So I think, you know, I I put out a little thing on Twitter last week about my thoughts on Kamara and how I don't think you should, you know, if you've been drafting him, keep drafting him now that we know we have some certainty. But while that was happening, you know, Benjamin ruptures his Achilles tendon he is going to be out for the 2023 season. So as of that moment, it pretty much just left Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller as the running backs on the roster. But Kareem Hunt was visiting the Saints. And Florio, you saw just before we started that it looks like he may be signing there pending a physical. Yeah, that, that's what the latest report uh, that I saw on the website formerly known as Twitter.com. It's Twitter. <laughs> um, I don't love this. <laughs> For a fantasy standpoint. No, that's what I'm saying. So like, what does this mean for us, right? Because, okay, we're still going to be drafting Kamara. I thought with the three-game suspension, we could sort of, you know, still take a shot at him and say the fourth round, something like that. But if Kareem Hunt lands there, you've got Hunt, you've got Kamara, you've got Jamal Williams. I guess Kendra Miller's in the mix. Now, all of a sudden, I'm terrified of this backfield. Yeah, I all summer long I have been on the whole like take take the shot on Alvin Kamara because yeah, the suspension was looming over his head, but I didn't think it would be enough games to justify him going in the seventh, eighth round. And that's where he was going in, in drafts in this summer. And like you said, fourth round or something like that. I was expecting him to get pulled up. Now I'm hoping that this has a reverse effect and people are like, it's too crowded of a backfield. I don't want anything to do with it. And if that continues to be the case and you can get Alvin Kamara at a discount, I will continue to do so. Um, I think I still think Jamal Williams is the number two back here. I think that he was brought in to handle short yard situations, stuff near the goal line, which makes me a little bit lower on Kamara than I have been in years past. Um, 
I think Kendra Miller is that dream is gone now. Yeah. I, I'm not doing it. And I had been throwing a lot of like 16th, 17th, 18th round dart throws on Kareem Hunt. I don't feel good about doing that anymore either. <laughs> so this is kind of just Alvin Kamara, maybe Jamal Williams, but for me, it's more Kamara at a reduced cost or bust. I think that's sort of what it is. I mean, I still like Jamal Williams because I think he's going to be that guy near the goal line. I don't think he scores, what was it, 17, 18 touchdowns, whatever it was he had last year. I don't see that happening again, but I do think he's the guy with maybe the most consistent role regardless of what happens around him. I'll tell you that throughout draft season, I've been taking shots at all three, right? I've been taking shots at Kamara, at Jamal Williams, at Kendra Miller late in drafts. I'm pretty sure I've probably drafted Kareem Hunt one or two places anticipating that he was going to sign somewhere. But now if you have at least three of those four guys and maybe all four in the mix, uh, this is going to be incredibly, incredibly frustrating. The best hope is that, I don't know, somehow Kareem Hunt is sort of an emergency back. I just don't, I don't really see that happening. Uh, down in New Orleans there. Ugh, that was really not great news for us. Uh, more running back news. This in Indianapolis. The Colts are signing Kenyon Drake as we still try to figure out whatever is with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he was not seen at practice on Tuesday, although the reports are he was actually getting treatment and this had nothing to do with his contract situation. So Yay. Um, anyway, Kenya Drake showing up uh, in Indianapolis. Are you more nervous about Jonathan Taylor now or is it about the same? It's about the same. Like Kenyon Drake signing doesn't mean a whole to me. It's another body there. Like it, this would be this. I understand Kenyon Drake, big name from the past. We we all know who he is. He, he's been fantasy relevant. But if they signed a different third or fourth string running back that we had never heard of, we wouldn't be making a big deal about this, I don't think. Um, but to put into perspective, I still am nervous about Jonathan Taylor. Like I, I was in a I'm in a slow draft right now, best ball, and Jonathan Taylor was there for me in the late second round yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I took Josh Allen over him. Wow. Um and I said if Jonathan Taylor makes it back to me in round three, then I will do it. But he didn't. So I ended up not <laughs> getting Jonathan Taylor. But normally, if he was available in the mid to late second round, I would be smashing draft on that. So I am. This is the most concerned I've probably ever been about Jonathan Taylor since he's entered the league. I still believe, and I guess your your anecdote there proves it, that he's not really going to slip out of the second round. Not for at least another couple of weeks. If we get through the final preseason game and we still haven't seen anything with Jonathan Taylor and it doesn't look like he's about to show up, I think that ADP falls a little bit the last couple of weeks of drafting. But I think people are still sort of holding out hope that he's going to be there. And I think they're trying to take as much of a discount on it as possible. But like you always say it only takes one. It only takes one person to, to make that move. And then he's gone suddenly in the second round. I, I think this is for the Colts doing their due diligence, right? They don't want to go into the season, you know, relying on Evan Hall to be their guy. So you bring in a guy like Kenyon Drake. He's a veteran. He's experienced. You know, he can do multiple things. He's not Jonathan Taylor, but under the circumstances, I would say under the circumstances, he's the best available, but that's not, he's the best available, I guess, for what the Colts probably wanted to spend. Yeah. To me, if they would have signed Fournette or Zeke, I would feel a lot more worried than yeah. Kenyon Drake. Very true. Yeah, Taylor comes back, Kenyon Drake goes to the bench, and Jonathan Taylor resumes his role. It's also weird that here it is, it's August 8th, and Kenyon Drake's getting signed, Melvin Gordon's getting signed, Zeke, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, still hanging around out there right now. You know, The, the longer that, that 
I, I don't know. Like, at some point, these guys have to sign, right? Like, you would think. I don't know. I mean, I think I think they will sign. It is going to obviously be significantly less than any of them had imagined they were going to get once they hit free agents. It's going to be less than I think any of us imagined. And and I think fans have low expectations. I think it's going to be even lower than what people expected uh, coming into the season. Hey, if you hadn't heard, NFL Fantasy is back. You can download the NFL Fantasy app, sign up, and draft to be entered to win two tickets to Super Bowl 58. I got to do my Roman numerals. 58 in Las Vegas, Nevada. No purchase necessary ends October 19th, 2023. Open to legal residents of the 50 United States and the District of Columbia who are 18 years of age or older. For rules and details on bonus entries and alternate means of entry, visit NFL.com slash Fantasy Sweeps 2023. Do it now. Do it now. It's my Arnold Schwarzenegger. Do it. Do it now. Um, all right. Let's take our look around the divisions. We will start with the AFC East. Uh, I am doing these like I always do them in alphabetical order by the city, lest you think I'm trying to do some no, sort of... You're doing them from best team to worst some, team. Some sort of projection of what, how I think teams are going to finish. <laughs> Just letting everybody out there know this is alphabetical order so you don't come at me about some kind of prediction that I'm not so making. So you're division champs. So you're division champs. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills. We'll start with them. Uh, last year, their top scorers, Josh Allen, uh, who was the QB2 with just over 412 points. Devin Singletary was their top running back. He was the RB23 overall, uh, about a buck 78 for him. No surprise, top wide receiver was Stefan Diggs, 321 points, wide receiver four, and Dawson Knox, your tight end, 14, 135 points. In the offseason, they lost Devin Singletary, Isaiah McKenzie, Cole Beasley, and Jamison Crowder. Their additions, though. Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, Trent Sherfield, and in the draft, they went out and got Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. Looking at ADPs for this team, first guy off the board, Stefan Diggs, without a doubt, uh, ADP of about 10.5 when you factor in uh, all the, the ADPs across different platforms there. Um, three questions. First one, how much of a workload can we expect for James Cook? The drumbeats have gotten really loud for him in the last couple of weeks. Uh, is he ready to be that RB1? And, and how much How much do you think he's going to get the ball this year? I do think he's ready to be the RB1. And every single report out of Bill's camp indicates that there's not even a competition here. Like, this is his job and everyone else is competing to be the RB2. And I keep saying, give him the work that Devin Singletary had, which is like 175 to 180 carries. And then you, you add in 50 plus targets. I think that that James Cook could be a high-end RB2 with that kind of volume. The targets are the key part for yeah. me because that's a thing that I know we talked about last year, that the Bills seem to be collecting these running backs who could catch with the ball but would never throw it to them, which was very weird. Like We thought, okay, well, James Cook's going to take a lot of that passing down work, and he really didn't. Uh, you know, They had Naheem Hines. We thought he was going to – no, he didn't take it nope. either. Um you know, I mean, Devin Singletary could catch the football and got, I guess, a decent amount of passing work, but I don't think it was what we had hoped for. So for me, I think the carries are going to be there. I just hope that they do lean on him in the passing game a little bit more. And, and I don't think Josh Allen is suddenly going to become Tom Brady in the sense where he's throwing the ball, like looking to target his running backs. But uh, Ken Dorsey, who was the first year OC last year, did come out and was like, that was my bad, like. Like I, I'm paraphrasing, but he kind of was like, it was something we need to emphasize more. But 
Additionally, Devin Singletary isn't a strong pass catcher. Like, he could catch the ball, but there's a difference, you know? Like, James Cook is a good receiver, and James Cook could win downfield. And you add that wrinkle into this this Bills passing attack where you now have a player out of the backfield who Josh Allen could take advantage of downfield because we know he loves throwing the ball deep. I, uh, I, I think there's very high expectation. In my opinion, I have very high expectations for James Cook. But I think he goes as an RB. Like, he is paying for Devin Singletary's sins because Devin Singletary was never able to be more than an RB3 in this offense. Everyone is saying, oh, that's James Cook. And I've gotten a lot of people being like, if James Cook is so good, why didn't he play a lot last year? Sean McDermott and the Bills have been vocal about the rookie wall and saving rookies so so they don't uh, peak in the regular season and you want them playing their best late in the year. I truly believe that's why they held James Cook until the last couple of weeks of the season and then really let him go. And I, it sounds like we year two, they're taking those training wheels off. I think that's going to be the case. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, again. You know, I think there have been some buzz about James Cook, maybe some questions, but the last couple of weeks, uh, people are a lot more vocal about their love for James Cook and that ADP is starting to go up uh, accordingly. Can Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox coexist in this offense? I don't think so. I, I think they could coexist in the sense that both are on the field at the same time. <laughs> okay. uh, with, with Knox playing the traditional tight end role and Kincaid more of as a slot receiver. But I think Kincaid is the one that you want for fantasy. I could see Knox having some weeks where he catches a touchdown or anything like that. But he's been extremely touchdown dependent already. And now you add in more target competition. I, I don't even believe I have Knox as a top 20 fantasy wow. tight end right now. I have been drafting Dalton Kincaid all over the place. I mean, I've really not been shy about telling people that. Um, and I'm going to keep doing it. And I think the the tea leaves suggest that Kincaid's going to be, you know, maybe closer to a big slot receiver in, in this offense. And Knox will sort of exist and work as more of the inline tight end, which means they'll expect him to block. And he will occasionally run some tight end routes. So in that respect, I'm, I think you're right. Yes, they will be on the field together. I think we're going to see a lot more 12 personnel. I do worry that they'll sort of take away from each other and neither one will reach their ultimate ceiling this year because you know the, the Bills are going to try to get both of them involved. But if I'm picking a Bills tight end, um, there's no doubt to me that I am 100% going to take Dalton Kincaid over Dawson Knox. I don't know that I've drafted Knox that much. I know I've drafted Kincaid a lot this year. You're, you're the one who got me excited for Kincaid. I'm telling you, I just I keep having flashbacks of that that regular season game against SC when he caught like 11 balls. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, look, SC's not the only team he did that against, but he's a guy that has incredible pass-catching skills, and I think he's going to be involved uh, pretty early in this offense. Last question about the Bills. Will we get more consistency from Gabe Davis? I was going to ask who's the number two wide receiver, and I don't think there's a doubt. I think it's Gabe Davis. So the question is, will he be more consistent week to week this year? I think so. Uh, I I think two points get overlooked when it comes to Gabe. Well, three. One, we put the expectations on Gabe Davis to be amazing in fantasy football. He did not. Yeah, he did not live up to them. That's on us. That's not as much on him. Mm -hmm. But... He hurt his ankle early in the year and played through it. But even more than that, Josh Allen, week nine against the Jets, hurt his elbow. And he went from on deep balls being rated as a 109.5 next-gen stats rating. That dropped to 66.8. 
He went from 18.9 yards per attempt on deep balls before the elbow injury to 8.7 after. Like, he was not the same player after he hurt his elbow. And it's a big reason why I, I think the negative negativity surrounding this Bills team is getting overhyped because I'm like, yeah, he wasn't good but at the end of the season, but he was hurt. I think Josh Allen being healthy and Gabe Davis being healthy leads to better results for both of them. That being said, Gabe Davis is going way later than he did a year ago. I, I think he, he is a value now in fantasy. Well, I think what happened was last year, as you mentioned, everybody, we, we argued back and forth about Gabe Davis over and over and over again. And then he underperformed based on, again, what we hoped he was going to do. So I think this year everybody's like, okay, well, I'm out. I'm off yeah. on that. And you go back and you look at his game to game. I mean, he had, was it early in the season, like week three or four maybe it was, he had 171 yards and a yeah. couple touchdowns. He had another game with about 100 yards and I think another touchdown or two. He had two really big games in there. And the rest were sort of, eh, you know. Uh, and so I think people are sort of looking at that. I think you get some more consistency, but I do think you're still going to see a lot of wild oh, swings yeah. from him. Oh, yeah. I just think that's who he is. I mean, I think yeah. that's who he is as a player. So you're going to get the big boom weeks and you're going to get some weeks where you're frustrated because he doesn't give you much of anything. He is maybe the quintessential he's better in best ball guy. Oh, yeah. But everything that we were saying last season for Davis, I think, applies this year. But people, like you said, are just like, he burned me last year. I don't want I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, for what it's worth, Stefan Diggs, I, I saw recently, said that if if Diggs wasn't in, in Buffalo, then Gabe Davis would be a number one wide receiver. I saw that, and I was like, as much as that is supposed to hype up Gabe Davis, you're also hyping yourself up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really <laughs> is. Uh, also, I yeah, I feel like you are just trying to pump up your guy. I don't know if that would yeah. really be the case uh, if he wasn't there. Moving on to the Miami Dolphins. Their top fantasy scores at QB, Tua Tungavailoa, QB 15. Raheem Mostert was their top scoring running back. He was the RB 25. Top scoring wide receiver, no shock, Tyreek Hill. Wide receiver, two with 341 points. Their top scoring tight end, Mike Gesicki, did not even have 100 fantasy points on the oh. season, was tight end 23. Uh, some of their key losses. Teddy Bridgewater, who uh, just signed with the Detroit Lions, uh, Trent Sherfield and Gasicki, who is uh, off to New England. Uh, some of the key additions, they added Miguel Blanco. Mike White moves down the coast from uh, New York to Miami. Braxton Berrios, Chosen Anderson, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as Robbie, uh, Tyler Croft. And in the draft, they got Devon Achain, Devon Achain, Devon Achain, who actually has now added an apostrophe in the middle of his name. Which throws me off. That wasn't there during the draft. It's there now. All right. Uh, <laughs> first off the board for this team, no shock, Tyreek Hill, uh, average ADP of seven. First question, how high are you willing to reach on Tua Tungavailoa, currently going right around round seven in a lot of redrafts? I'm fine taking him. Eh, I have him at QB 11 right now. Mm -hmm. um, to me, I keep saying there's a big eight. And then uh, the to me, my top fallbacks are, are Watson and Richardson. But I think Tua belongs in that grouping as well. Uh, Tua brings, just like Watson and Richardson, very, very high upside. I don't know if he brings top five because of how little he runs. But I think like he's right outside of that group. And he was showing it last year when he was the best deep ball thrower in football. Everyone who said he couldn't <laughs> throw the deep ball, you, you take a note of that? He was the most accurate deep ball thrower in all of football last year. Um, the only concern is health. Like, if, if Tua stays healthy and you guaranteed that he would play 
uh, 17 games, he's a lock to be a top 10 quarterback, I would say, with even higher upside. So I have no problem taking Tua. The only reason I don't have him a bunch is because I tend to wait a couple of rounds later and get Anthony Richardson. That's the thing, is that I guess I could reach for Tua, but it doesn't make sense because... I think everybody understands what his ceiling is. We saw it last year. I think, like you mentioned, the question is, can he stay healthy for the majority of the games? But because that fear is sort of baked in, there's no need to reach for Tua. If if you know he falls to you naturally, it's round seven, round eight, and he falls there naturally, absolutely, I'm taking him. But also, if I'm taking Tua, I'm probably taking another quarterback a couple of rounds later. I'm maybe trying to get... Maybe it's a Geno Smith. Maybe it's a Jared Goff or somebody like that just to have, you know, as as a backup, as some insurance necessarily. So I like him. I think he's going to be very good this year. But I'm sort of letting the, the board and the market dictate where I'm drafting him. And for that reason, I don't know that I'd reach much past his ADP uh, to get him at this point. Looking in the backfield, there's Raheem Mostert. There's Jeff Wilson. There's A-Chain. Uh, who'd you rather, if you're drafting a Dolphins running back, who, who do you want there? I really thought I was going to be Devon Achan was going to be the one that I was all over, but he is going by far the earliest right now. Uh, his ADP on, on, in best ball drafts right now is 116 overall. Whereas the other Dolphins guys, you have to go to like Raheem Mostert is 162. Jeff Wilson is 173. So because of that, I have the most shares of Raheem Mostert right now. Um, Jeff Wilson, I understand last year, played more than Raheem Mostert, but that's when it was just two backs. I think you add in a third. I think Jeff Wilson is going to be the one that loses some volume here, and he is, of the three, by far the least explosive. So I kind of feel like Raheem Mostert gives me the same sort of gamble on HN. Maybe not as explosive, but brings that high-end speed, that explosiveness. I just get it six rounds later. So uh, it's because to me it's all because of ADP at the draft I thought my answer would have been a chance to this question but because he's going again 50 picks earlier I have Mostert more I I've been on Mostert kind of all season like I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I'm not gonna pretend I'm excited about the Dolphins backfield because there's there's three guys they're all probably gonna get some opportunity but Mostert's sort of the guy that I just believed is going to be the lead in that backfield um you know he wasn't completely healthy he says this year he's feeling better i'm not sure if he's fully best shape of his life or if i don't know if he's i don't know if this is a bsohl alert but um he says he feels better and he's expecting bigger things this year uh, i sort of am kind of buying into that i think bigger things are relative but i think of the three if i'm picking one it's going to be him. I mean, the ADPs on all of them are, are fairly nice. So I, you know, I'm not really worried at all about that part. Is there a third pass catcher worth rostering in Miami? I mean, we're drafting Tyreek Hill. We're drafting Jalen Waddle. Is there anybody after that you want? No, <laughs> no. Uh, I think there'll be weeks where a third player has a good week. Like Cedric Wilson will have a good, but like, I mean, we saw last year the tight end. Like you said, Mike Gusecki was their top scoring tight end, didn't score 100 points. Right. The week three, uh, the third receiver on a given week was revolving. So unless Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle get hurt and knock on wood, hopefully neither of them miss any snap at all this season, I, I the passing game is so funneled through those two that, no, I, I don't think it's worth Ross. I, in fact, I don't think I've drafted a single Dolphin pass catcher not named Hill or Waddle. Last year, Tyreek Hill had 170 targets. 
Jalen Waddle had 117 targets. That's do my quick math. 287 targets between the two of them. The next closest was Mike Gasicki at 52 targets. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. He had fewer than half of what Jalen Waddle got. It was Gasicki at 52, Trent Sherfield at 51, uh, Mostert at 42. It is a two-man passing game. Essentially. And you watched Miami play, and you're. Why would you change? Why? They haven't added anybody that makes you think they're going to change. Uh, you know, I know I've seen some people try to suggest maybe taking late late shots at Chosen Anderson or Braxton Berrios. I just don't think it's going to be exciting enough or that they're going to be productive enough to make it worth your while in do any you, league. <laughs> do you think Chosen Anderson changes his name before next season? Because it was Robbie with a Y, then with an IE or right. vice versa, and now it's Chosen. So three years in a row, he's had a different name. Uh Maybe by then, will it matter? Will he still be in the league? Unchosen though? Anderson. I mean, that, that could be what it is. I think the league might decide that that's his name, uh, depending on how he performs this year in Miami. All right, we still got two more teams to go over in the AFC East. We'll take a quick break, come back, dive into the Patriots and the Jets. That's next on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Diving into the AFC East here in our division previews for the season, the New England Patriots. Uh, they were not very exciting for fantasy football last year. The top quarterback scorer, Mac Jones, who was QB 23, 181 points. Ramondre Stevenson, it was Stevenson Seasonson last year. He finishes just shy of 250 points. He was your RB7. Jacoby Myers, your top wide receiver. He's wide receiver 29 with uh, about a buck 80. And Hunter Henry, your top tight end in New England, 103.9. That was good for tight end 22. Some changes, though. They lost Damian Harris. They did lose Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, and Jonu Smith. So we thought we were going to be free of the tight end conundrum there. When, you know, we had Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Jonu leaves. Well, in the additions, they add Mike Gesicki and Juju Smith-Schuster. For the draft, they, they did draft a couple of sixth-round wide receivers. I don't know if Kayshawn Boutte or Demario Douglas do anything for anyone, but... Those were the only offensive skill position players that the Patriots added in the draft. First off the board, without a doubt, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, right around pick 28 in most leagues. All right. Looking at this wide receiver room there in New England, and we've talked continually about how if there's a weak point in Bill Belichick's career, it is his ability to scout wide receivers. I'm just going to give you the top four guys in this room, and I want you to rank them. Devontae Parker, Juju, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have him ranked Juju, Parker, Thornton, Bourne, but I don't want. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster, big name, coming off of an okay year where he won the Super Bowl and stuff, but the number one acquisition by the Patriots the number one receiver there he's not even a top 50 receiver in drafts I don't believe because like it's so hard to get excited for any of these players Juju on a Chiefs team with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes the best play caller and quarterback maybe ever definitely playing right now um they uh, on a team that needed wide receiver production could not get consistent week-to-week production out of Juju and could not turn him into anything more than a wide receiver three. And he still played the part of a tight end that I thought was Big Ben's fault <laughs> in Pittsburgh all those years ago. No, it's just who Juju is at this point. And I don't ever want to give you know Antonio Brown credit. He was right all those years ago when he was and like, was. This, this guy is not the 1,800-yard receiver that he put up that year. He, I don't think he's gone for 1,000 yards since then. Like... 
Juju is who Juju is at this point. He's more of a name. Uh, I I don't I I understand they got they got Bob back here now calling plays. They actually have an offensive play caller calling plays yeah. after the debacle <laughs> that Bill Belichick thought would work last year. But I I, I don't want the one I draft the most is Devontae Parker because mm-hmm. he's a late round flyer. But I don't want anything to do with these guys. I don't either. I would. So everything there's there's definitely two groups here, right? There's there's Parker and Schuster and Smith Schuster. They are one pairing. Then Bourne and Thornton are kind of the, the the secondary group. I might put Juju ahead of Devontae Parker. I'm not really excited about either of them. I honestly could see Juju putting up numbers similar to what he did last year, just over 900 yards, getting you about you know 75, 80 catches. Um, you know, I I think that. Could happen. I think, you know, I think being the number one receiver in New England is sort of like being a secondary receiver in Kansas City. <laughs> I think it's kind of the same. So I think I'd put Juju ahead of Devontae Parker only slightly. I, I guess I would put Thornton ahead of Bourne, although I just earlier this summer, I saw people arguing that uh, about, you know, whether which guy was going to be more productive. And I'm just like, I can't. I can't even pretend to be excited. The, the about answer that is go outside. I, it really is just like, come on, man. I know we, I know we spend our time looking at all this stuff, but, but some arguments just don't need to happen. And that was, that was one of them. Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't pretend to be excited about this one. Uh, I will ask you the same question about the Patriots that I did about the Bills when it comes to tight end. Can Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki coexist? For real life purposes, yeah. For fantasy, I don't think so. I think they're both going to be fighting to be wide receiver twos. In fact, I'm more excited about Mike Kosicki than I am mm. Hunter Henry because just like the Bills situation, I could see Hunter Henry playing that Dawson Knox role where he's like the traditional inline tight end. You mm. block some. But then I could see Mike Kosicki who... To his point last year was like, I'm learning how to play tight end because I've been a slot receiver my whole career. (laughs) I could see him playing in the slot more, which is a negative for Juju because that's when Juju does his best work. Um, So I guess if you ask me which Patriots pass catcher I'm most excited for, it probably is Mike Gusecki. But that's just because he's like a absolutely late round dart throw of a tight end. I guess based on ADP, it probably would be Gusecki. I think I'm going to still lean toward Hunter Henry. And I have look, I have long since given up the illusion that Hunter Henry is going to turn into this big time tight end. I mean, that was that was what I hoped for when he was first drafted. And obviously it never happened during his time with the Chargers. But I, I think he's the guy that of the two probably gets more opportunity, probably gets more targets. Um, you know, I think it's sort of negligible. I, I do think you're right. He's the guy who's more of the inline tight end while Gasicki ends up going back to kind of a big slot role in this offense. But um, you know, he was the third most targeted player for what it's worth in New England last year. He's actually uh, third in receiving yards as well. So I, I'm going to kind of give him the nod, but I just think it's going to be unsatisfying yet again uh, for both of these guys. Last one, uh, draft Mac Jones or, or nah? Nah, like, <laughs> I, I'm good on that. What upside does Mac Jones bring? Like he doesn't run. He's not going to be in a high powered offense where he's going to make up for it with high efficiency and touchdowns. And even his rookie year where there was Mac Jones hive, I would say, and people were like clamoring for how well he played. He was the QB 18 in fantasy. So I and that was on total points. He was QB 24 in points per game that year. So if your ceiling is being a low-end QB2, I want nothing to do with you. Last year, he played 14 games. Does he play more or fewer than that this year? 
I'm going to say he plays more because I think that this is his last chance. Like if he, I, I think he'll play well enough to hold on to the gig all year. Will he play well enough to be the starter next season? That I'm not sure about. Yeah, I, I know there's some thought that Bailey Zappi could step in and get some games. We'll see. I, I think I think with with Bill O'Brien back having an actual offensive coordinator calling plays, I think that's going to help him a lot as opposed to whatever happened there last year. So maybe we don't see Bailey Zappi. Uh, but I'm with you. It's not exciting. I have no intention of drafting Mac Jones anywhere. Would, even in a, would you draft him in a two QB league? I guess no. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd much rather go elsewhere. Like, I'd much rather take any of the rookies over him. At least there's unknown upside there. True. Would, do you think Do you think we get to see uh, Bill Belichick in a TikTok this year? No. Zero <laughs> chance that Bill Belichick shows up in a TikTok. Not with Juju, you don't think? We might get Juju doing an impersonation of Bill Belichick <laughs> on a TikTok, but Bill on an actual TikTok? No. Never. He, he would hate it. He like, probably not know what it is. I think he tells people he doesn't know what it is. That's true. I think he knows what it he is. He probably knows what it is. But yeah, you're right. He he wants to pretend. He's got to keep up that facade of being the grouch and not knowing <laughs> what these sorts of things are. All right. Uh, last team in the AFC East. It is the New York Jetropolitans. Uh, last year, their top scoring QB, and this kind of surprised me, Zach Wilson. I mean, it wasn't great. Uh, 104.9, QB 34. Their top scoring running back, Michael Carter, which you can attribute to the Brees Hall injury, obviously. Uh, 126 points. He was RB 40. Garrett Wilson, their top scoring wide receiver, uh, wide receiver 21, uh, almost 216 points. And Tyler Conklin, uh, tight end 16. I was surprised that a Jets tight end was finished tight end 16 because this franchise has punted on that position Maybe my whole life. Like, I can't think in my life of, like, a legitimately, consistently good Jets. Yeah, and if you Google Jets tight ends. That's like, exactly what I just Googled. It, there, there aren't a whole lot of great names that pop up. And it's, like, the guys that you ne- that you recognize played with the Jets, like, at the end of their career and, like, didn't do anything. Yeah. That's, you know. There was one they drafted. It has to be close to 10 years ago now, like, in, like, the first or second round. And he did nothing but Jet fans for years were like, this is going to be the guy. I mean, it's been for years. Like, the Jets have just punted on that position for uh, multiple generations now. So Tyler Conklin finishing as tight end 16 legitimately caught me by surprise <laughs> when, I, when I looked it up. Uh, some of their key losses – Joe Flacco, who actually did play a few games for them. Mike White, who we mentioned, uh, is down in Miami now. Braxton Berrios, also in Miami. And Elijah Moore. Uh, Their key additions, some guy named Aaron Rodgers. Don't know if you've ever heard of him. He signed uh, as a free agent. Randall Cobb, Miko Hardman, Alan Lazard. So Aaron showed up and brought several of his friends and then got Miko Hardman coming over from Kansas City. Uh, In the draft. They went out and spent uh, a mid-round pick on running back Israel Abanaconda. Garrett Wilson, first guy off the board, uh, ADP of right around pick 19. So my first question about the Jets is maybe more philosophical than analytical. Are we actually excited about this offense or are we just curious about it? You mean the offense that is going to be featured tonight on Hard Knocks? Oh, of yeah, course Hard I'm Knox excited. We have Schreiber back in our lives and they're rating things. I'm I am more curious than excited about the Jets. I think the Jets could easily be one of the more overrated teams this mm-hmm. year. Um, and I know people are going to call me a hater, and that's fine. Uh, to me, I do, and I know this is getting off of fantasy a little bit, I don't see the differences between this Jets team and 
the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers teams when they had one good receiver, but Wilson isn't as good as Devontae. Mm -hmm. They had good running backs and they had a really good defense. And Aaron Rodgers didn't do a whole lot with it. Um, but I mean, he won MVPs, but uh, <laughs> at, at 39 years old, I, I put this out on Twitter yesterday. There's only been a handful of non Tom Brady named quarterbacks to play well in fantasy. Drew Brees is the best one at 39 or older at 304 fantasy points. But number four in this list is Philip Rivers with 240. That's a huge <laughs> drop off. And that is the production that Aaron Rodgers gave us last season. So while part of me is willing to give Rodgers a pass and say it was first year with the new OC and without uh, Devontae and you did hurt your hand, the other part of me is like, this guy is almost 40 years old. And outside of Tom Brady, not many quarterbacks have played at a high-end level this late in their I mean, career. Tom Brady is the extreme outlier when it comes yeah. to stuff like that. It just, you know, you just don't see that normally. Yeah, I think I think we're just curious about this offense because, sure, they have Aaron Rodgers. But as you mentioned, I mean, what version of Aaron Rodgers are they getting at age 39? He's not as mobile as he once was. He still has the arm talent. Will his focus be there all season, especially if the Jets get off to a bad start? Uh, you know, we're still waiting exactly to see what Bri uh, Brees Hall's uh, health is going to be once we get to week one. Uh, they've got Garrett Wilson. Beyond that, we're not really sure. So, like, I think we want to be excited. You know, when the news first hit that he was going to the Jets, there was definitely excitement about it. But I think as we start to kind of piece this thing out, um, it's just more curiosity, at least for me, than, than actual excitement. But it does lead me to my next question. Which wide receiver would you want on this roster after Garrett Wilson? None. Like that... It may, I guess the answer would be Alan Lazard. I know Corey Davis is getting some late round hype, but the true answer for me is none. Like I, I am not drafting any secondary Jets receivers because I think they are uh, safe floor plays and where you're getting them in the double digit rounds. I'm all about upside there. I don't want someone like Alan Lazard who in a pinch could give me 10 fantasy points. I want to <laughs> roll the dice on someone that could potentially be a weekly starter for me and alter the outlook of my team for this season. So I, I don't believe that because out behind Devontae Adams for years on the Packers, there was no one that we wanted to roster. Yeah. So I, I don't see how with an older Aaron Rodgers and legitimately the same pieces behind the number one with Cobb and and Lazard. I know Miko Hardman is there, but he's not going to be a consistent option. I don't think there, there's just no one receiver-wise, that I'm getting excited about. There's just a whole bunch of guys where we've seen the movie and we know how it ends, right? We know what Alan Lazard is with Aaron Rodgers. We know what Randall Cobb is with Aaron Rodgers. We saw Nicole Hardman with Patrick Mahomes, and he could yeah. never become a thing, right? Despite the fact that the Nicole Hardman hive, I don't know, does it still exist? Did they, did they disband? <laughs> did they, is it, has that hive broken up? They're I not don't know. just the Sky Moore hive. The, you know what? I think it's what it is. They just <laughs> transferred their fanship to a different player. But he was with Patrick Mahomes and could never become a thing. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's some hope for Corey Davis, but I also feel like we've seen him for a number of years now. So it's like a whole bunch of guys that are – just it's like they're just they're there they're not exciting i i'm with you i i just there's garrett wilson and then that's kind of it at least with wide receivers in, in that offense one thing that i don't think is getting enough talk with the jets because everything is like rose colored glasses right now. and then look when you have the league worst quarterback play for a decade and you have the <laughs> longest playoff drought i understand being excited right now jet fans and you might want to skip over this next part but 
Aaron Rodgers struggled under pressure last year. Aaron Rodgers looked old when under pressure last year. He wasn't the same Aaron Rodgers that could move around and scramble with his legs. The Jets didn't do anything to upgrade their offensive line. And if one, if there's a weakness in this offense, in my opinion, it is this offensive line. So I think if the O-line doesn't play well, this offense being a lot worse or looking similar to what Green Bay looked like last year, I think, is in the range of outcomes. And we're all kind of, not we're all, but all, the narrative around the Jets is that like they're going to be better than ever and Aaron Rodgers is going to be back playing like his old self. And I, I think you're asking a lot out of a near 40-year-old quarterback. You're asking a lot and you're also asking a lot of it in a division where you know, the Bills have been head and shoulders above everybody else the last few years. The Dolphins are very much improving and have the look of a playoff team. It is a situation where the Jets could be improved from last year and still be the third best team mm-hmm. in that division and still miss the playoffs. Like, it's very much a possibility that this team could improve on seven wins from last year. It would be uh, so funny to me. It's still not be in the playoffs. And they've got a short window here, right? They've got Rodgers for, what, two years, I think? Um They've got a really short window here, and then they're back in the quarterback market once again. So if they don't get it done, um, it was a major investment. It was a big swing. Yeah, but what is it going to turn out to? I, I think that that part remains to be seen. Um, there we go. Oh, wait, there's one last question. Should we be paying more attention to Tyler Conklin? I told you how excited I was that he was tight in 16, and I skipped over him. Um, <laughs> should, should we be giving him more love? He had a tight end 16 finish. Aaron Rodgers, certainly not shy about involving the tight ends. Should we give him some more love in drafts? I, I have him ranked outside the top 20 tight ends, but I do want to boost him up because if there was a second pass catcher that I would be interested in here, it would be him because – the bar for tight ends is so much lower. And we know that Aaron Rodgers will get his tight end involved. And like you said, Conklin was the tight end 16 last year. I could see him finishing a little bit higher than that for fantasy with Rodgers this year. And that might not be a great fantasy season, but where you're getting him, I I think Conklin will be one of those tight ends that's on a lot of different rosters this year for waiver wire replacements and and bi-week replacements, stuff like that. I think that probably is his best role for fantasy rosters, a, a streaming tight end option, sort of playing the matchups. I'm curious to see how much... Rodgers looks in his direction. I did see a tweet a week or so ago about how they seem to have a good rapport in practice. Um, and that, that's kind of what spawned a little bit of this was that hey, maybe maybe there is something there. And again, on a roster where there's no real clear second option in the passing game. And I, I'm not I'm not suggesting Conklin's going to suddenly you know get a ton of targets and be right behind Garrett Wilson. But I think the point is. There are targets to be earned after Garrett Wilson, and who's to say that Tyler Conklin can't earn uh, a good number of them? So uh, maybe not enough to draft him, but enough that he should be on your radar uh, when it comes to waiver wire and you're looking at that position. All right, there you go. That's the uh, look through the AFC East. Uh, We'll be back, actually, another one tomorrow. Let me explain. Normally, we're going to do Mondays and Wednesdays. We had some things going on on Monday, so we moved this one to Tuesday. So we'll do Tuesday, Wednesday. Going forward, will be a Monday, Wednesday show uh, throughout the end of the season here. So uh, tomorrow, we will dive into the NFC East. So fans of the Cowboys, Giants, Commanders, and Eagles, uh, tune in. Even if you're not a fan of them and you just want to play fantasy and learn about what to do with those teams, uh, tune in for that as well. So uh, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. 
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.